Season 2, Episode 3. Sorry for the delay on this episode. I've been dealing with an upper respiratory issue for the past four days. Tuesday wasn't an option, and just now I'm starting to feel better. There won't be a monologue today. Instead, I'm going to share a conversation I had Wednesday night with the one and only Charlie Burris. Charlie runs the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast with Zach Reagan, which covers University of Tennessee athletics. This weekend, the number 11 Tennessee football volunteers will host the number 20 Florida Gators. It's expected to be one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game of the young season. I know Charlie really well. We covered the Vols together back in 2016 through 2018, and we've known each other and kept up in the years since. It's been a great six years of friendship, and without further ado, let Charlie explain why the Vols will beat the Gators. What are you doing now? <laughs> well, we'll jump right into that. Well, I'm, so, um, I'm sorry. I guess we're recording right now. That... Yeah, we are. We are. Oh, sorry. What am I doing right now? Well, <laughs> <laughs> because you're you're not full time doing sports either, right? Nope. I, I got myself office job now. And then uh, nights and weekends, I, I do a show for the A to Z sports guys. Yeah. I followed a similar trajectory in that when I started losing some momentum in Tulsa, I thought that I would have some reprieve in taking a nine to five job and it's worked out for a while. I didn't see it as a permanent solution. And there have been offers, but they've been really weak. So yeah. that's it's kind of the, the dilemma between actually growing up and having a real world life and also doing something that you're passionate about. I feel that. Feel that. So I have a nine to five job. This podcast is just for fun. I was roped into doing it by my friend Tyler Jones, who... Um, does a lot of stuff for chat sports down in um, Dallas, Texas, like the YouTube channel that does all a bunch of NFL stuff. And I had a chance to work with chat about a year ago and passed up that opportunity as well. Um, however, I've been freelancing doing social media for Bally sports for the last year, cool. uh, mainly the Midwest region between Indiana and Kansas city and the Midwest market, which is St. Louis. St. Louis is kind of their big moneymaker. And I have just started doing some multimedia work, including on camera work for Rivals um, and their Northwestern uh, beat site. So what VolQuest is to a small private Big Ten school in Chicago. Um, I was going to say, I, I noticed on your your Instagram, you're you're around the Chicagoland area. You're Which is out. where I've wanted to be for a long time in that capacity. I'm not entirely sure if that's what I had envisioned, but at some point it was, do you get to a, a top 10 market by luck, by happenstance or, or by force? And I'd had to take it, take the opportunity that was given to me. And I, I guess for people that are from the greater Knoxville area or people that are Tennessee fans, I, I would be what Austin price is to Northwestern football right now. I don't know how I feel about cool. that, but that's, that's kind of my, my equivalent at the time. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, very cool. Cause I, I completely understand every single angle of that. Like the, 
the burnout, wanting to find the best opportunity. Like I went through it all in the past. I think we we've had similar paths. It sounds like so. We've known each other for six years, and there's been That's a whole true. there's been a whole wheel of yeah, sixteen. I, I like how this started with you interviewing me. And this feels like <laughs> you're. How does I mean, that make you feel you're a good you're a good asker of questions. And my guest a week ago, who's a professional baseball player in the Frontier League, he completely like midway through the interview just started turning every question back on me, and he was just like, but "What about you? What's your dream?" I was like, "Wyatt, stop." Um, <laughs> It was really good. Um, this feels like this Tennessee team in the year 2022 is the team that was promised to us six years ago, but actually yeah. filling in on the those promises. Made so many comparisons this year because, you know, everybody's like, well, 2016 was the last time they beat Florida. You know, everybody talks about it. And we were both there. The belief in Butch Jones was already starting to dwindle. They were like, we know this team has a ton of talent. Josh Dobbs, your quarterback, Alvin Kamara is your running back. Like they got dudes. They, honestly, that team was uber talented, but Butch Jones is the coach. Like that was the feeling. And now it's like, well, Josh Heupel is the coach, which is great. And he really doesn't have the talent yet. It's the exact flip of that. And he does have the talent has one of the best quarterbacks in America at the moment, has good enough running backs, has one of the best wide receivers in America at the moment, in my opinion, has two of the best wide receivers in America, if you also include Jalen Hyatt. I think by the end of his career, he will be considered that. Um, and then the defense just needs to be serviceable. That's kind of where they're at right now. And it's the ascension has been quick, quicker than I think anybody was really anticipating. Um, maybe too quick. We'll see this weekend. <laughs> um, but I, man, it's been, it's been exciting to see now to go into a little bit of what we were talking about there at the beginning. Like when we were both covered in, in 16, I had to be the, the media guy. You're not allowed to go and like be a fan. And I mean, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, my entire life, uh, and went to Tennessee for too long, got a degree from there. And I'm a giant fan. Like I'm a giant fan and it's so fun now to be able to do the stuff that I do from the fan perspective, as much as it is also the media perspective. Cause I do talk like this on it every single week, but uh, it's, it's honestly been a, a real joy. I'm so glad that it's actually working out decently. Even if Josh, I ultimately sputters out, I don't know, but it's, it's been a good, a good year so far with him. I found when I was covering Tennessee that when things were going well, fans didn't want to hear bad news and they didn't want to hear criticism Never. these days how do you manage to toe the line between being a fan and bringing up legitimate concerns with an undefeated tennessee team i mean i still get it because i'm i'm as cynical as you could probably possibly be as a fan <laughs> for anybody that has followed my work at any length definitely knows that uh I, I will rail on Tennessee as much as I love them all at the same time. And I rail on them because I love them. Like that's, I want them to be the best and be, you know, what they were when I was a child, like national championship and football, national championships and women's basketball. It seems like baseball is finally coming around to that, to being a legitimate powerhouse 
basketball wins the SEC tournament this last year. All right, football, it's your turn, you know? And so during the Pruitt era, specifically with the, I do a podcast with Zach Reagan, who's just another guy at AZ Sports Nashville with me. Um, and we just dumped all over Jeremy Pruitt. And even when things were flying off the rails with Jeremy Pruitt, like it was so abundantly clear that that guy sucked fans still didn't want to hear it. Like you have to just say it because we're talking about it and I'm not going to, I'm not going to BS my audience. I wouldn't do that to them. Uh, and they still like, people are like, shut up. You're being too negative. You're a negative. like, are you watching the same game that I'm watching? What are we? And it's been so nice with Josh Heupel so far. Like the expectations were genuinely low apathy was incredibly high at the beginning of last season and to see that he's flipped that around to selling out in its entirety Neyland stadium for the Akron game like it's unbelievable the what this guy has done again even if he sputters out I will appreciate this year because it has actually been such a great respite from all of that time with Pruitt that it was just it butch too. Uh, I mean, it it just was so toxic, and to actually have positivity is a true gift. To compare to six years ago, some of those games came down to the final play when Tennessee started out five and zero, the Georgia Hail Mary, the Appalachian State end zone stop. Uh, had to come back against Virginia Tech, um, Ohio. I remember that win was kind of like you were bracing yeah. yourself. Whereas now with Coach Heupel, there are tangible stats that you can hold on to and say this team actually has some positive momentum going for it, whether it's 52 points per game, which is you think top five in the nation, seven yards per play. They're creating something that actually has value. This time – it feels like it's okay to, to be comfortable. You're not holding your breath. You're not necessarily waiting for the other shoe to drop because there is something legitimate with what coach Heifel has built. I did a show yesterday where with a, you know, with a not Tennessee person. And I was saying like the, I am scouring over above below anywhere I can for the red flags. We've seen, in the last 15 years, we have seen it all, like the entire spectrum of total incompetency, not only from football coaches, but from administrators all, all the way through the Tennessee Athletic Department. It has been a complete clown show for 15 years. And Danny White steps in now at athletic director. And I think it all starts with him in that, again, I'm, I'm looking for these red flags to be like, what, what am I missing? Where is the... Where's the thing that is going to be the Tennessee thing? Like, where is the hidden trap that we're about to step into? And I cannot find it. And eventually, you go long enough that way, you're going to stop looking. And I hope that we can get to that point because football, like I've gotten there with, with basketball. Rick Barnes, yeah, he's coming up short in the tournament. But the guy has made that team a perennial contender Tony Vitello who would want to find anything wrong with Tony Vitello he had one of the best college baseball teams of all time last year I mean it was unbelievable what that team did and so like the with those you're in great position just with football let's get there let's get back 
um, you know, before it all fell apart with Fulmer, it was that same way. Like I remember as a little kid, like they would have like 10 win seasons and we'd be like, we lost twice. Why did we lose twice? How dare we do that? And you just expected that greatness. And now with football, we're like, uh, we look like we might have greatness sometime soon, but where's the thing that's going to make it not great. And that's the mentality it's become, but hopefully Hypel just keeps it going. You big win against Florida this week is really the starting point. I feel like, um, cause it's just such a program changer in terms of the way that I think he'll be viewed. He's already viewed incredibly highly, but like, that's just going to take you. It's like when Rick Barnes started beating Kentucky regularly and he has a winning record against Kentucky. It's like, whoever thought that was going to happen. That's what takes you to that next level is when you can capture things like that. When was the last time UT had a game that was this big? Oh, probably that 2016 Florida game. I, I mean, mm. and I think this is really bigger because of what we're saying. Like people actually believe in this guy. Like they're really, it, there's really the belief like with Butch, it was like, can Bush hang on? With Hypel, it's like, is this guy the real deal? Like, is this really happening right now? Because it sure seems like this guy's got his crap together. I mean, the the numbers I, I even saw, I was looking it up when you said there are stats out there that are just crazy. Um, saw this one earlier. Tennessee scored 156 points through its first three games. That's the most points scored in three game in the first three games of a season by any school in the entire associated press poll era. Like what? And you, you think about having that stat right now from when Jeremy Pruitt was the coach with Jared Garantano at quarterback. And you're just like, how, if you told me that was going to be the case in one year from Jared Garantano being the quarterback for this football team, I'll be like, shut up, just stop it. Don't, don't even bring that up. Cause it's ridiculous. And yet, like, here we are. It's, it definitely feels different. It's funny you mentioned Pruitt in the, the Garantano area. I, era, I do remember that. Outside looking in, because I was in Oklahoma when that was happening, it was hard for casual fans or people on the outside to really pinpoint what the main issue plaguing the program was. It's easy to have a blanket. Everything's wrong. Fire everyone. Burn the house down, which is eventually what the school decided to do, but there was highly recruited ranked talent in that program. Pruitt did a good job recruiting his first couple of classes. And there are still players on this roster today that took leaps forward uh, last season under coach Heupel and are still here today. What was the main issue? Those three seasons that Pruitt was coach. Oh, you almost go like, what wasn't an issue with that guy? Because <laughs> he he had no idea what he was doing from the second he stepped in there. His initial press conference was terrible. He seemed like a bumpkin. And he got better at that. He got better at that over time, to his credit. But then, but it was also endearing at the time, too, because Tennessee had gone from just such a fake shill like Butch, where he just came out and tried to be this guy that we all knew he really wasn't. To where Pruitt, he was too much of himself, where you were like, okay, buddy, you got to have a little bit of media presence here. <laughs> you know, you're representing one of the biggest college football programs in America. Um, and, and like from that beginning, it just was, he, he thought he was saving and he sucked. He ran antiquated, terrible offense. He wanted to meddle in every single part of everything when he should have just gone and been the defensive guy. Should have been Nick Saban. He should have gone and hired really competent people and and trusted those guys 
and then you know if they fail him throw them into the pit rather than trying to control everything himself which is what Pruitt I mean just everywhere you just heard stories about how he was a total tyrant uh and he didn't make great even though he did recruit well he made a lot of uh a lot of recruiting connections to Tennessee went sour uh from schools inside the state of Tennessee with him Heupel has been trying to repair those so I've heard and I mean yeah like I said what what was it and then on top of that he was cheating of course I'm I'm you know as much as this landscape has changed but if the rules hadn't changed, I mean, Hypo would be cheating too. Every single coach does if you're going to compete in the SEC. I mean, these guys, they're given reportedly, allegedly, you know, Nico Iomaliava is getting eight million bucks. So it's like that stuff is still happening. Just Hypo gets to brag about it. And Pruitt had to put it in McDonald's bags, right? So <laughs> yeah, that's and, the difference. And, and the biggest rule about cheating in college football is cheating is okay until you start to lose. Then it's not. Oh, okay. yeah. It, almost anything is okay until you start to lose. That's really one of the one of the grossest sides of college football. This entire thing to unpack, but like, you know, uh, we both know that. Some sixteen games into the Josh Heupel era at Tennessee, and you've told me, Charlie Burris, that you are one of the most cynical people when it comes to Tennessee athletics. What are the limitations, maybe even weaknesses? of Josh Heupel as a head coach. I mean, I, I have my criticisms. They aren't, they aren't full-blown red flags. And also, I think some of the, the criticisms I have from last year, he's really improved on. The system scares the hell out of me because it is completely predicated on this, like, balls-to-the-wall, go-all-out offense where you run it, to your detriment sometimes where like you're up against a wall and you can't afford a three and out. And this guy will run his offense and go three and out in 30 seconds. And he goes, well, it didn't work back to the drawing board. Like he just, it doesn't phase him. And he just does that. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> take a second, take a breath, give your defense some rest. You know, there's that, but on the flip side, this season from year to year, the defense has improved, I think, vastly, far more than I thought they would. Uh, but that's that's if three games through the season can be trusted. We'll see. Um, but the the depth has greatly improved, and uh, I I think you are just seeing player development. And that guy I mentioned earlier, Jalen Hyatt. I mean, that guy. He's the the number two most prolific receiver in the SEC right now, more than the guy that everybody thought was going to be the primary receiver. Uh, and, and Cedric Tillman, you've had Jalen Hyatt pop up and just be great through three games so far. And that, you know, people came into this season kind of thinking, oh, well, what, how exactly is he, is he going to be? He seems real raw. The talent's all there. He seems real raw. And he's, form, you know, coming right into form. So there's all of those really good signs to go up against anything that's made me reticent about Hypel. Because also... Some of his game management stuff, again, it really goes back to him relentlessly running this system. Like he'll get down to a, a, a fourth down and one, and he's like running it out of the shotgun and gets kind of cheeky. And I'm like, okay, can we just, just go under center and just fall forward? This is so he, this is don't overthink it. 
Um, and some things like that, where he is so devoted to this system that I think sometimes it is to his detriment. Um, but then at the same time, it's what won you the Kentucky game last year. If you beat this Florida team, it is what will beat this Florida team. Um, because his offense is just insane. Like it, it works for you. In my opinion, it works for you far more than it works against you, but it absolutely can work against you. So beyond that, I mean, any, any off the field stuff, I, I honestly, I haven't seen it. The, the reviews I've gotten from like other people just who are peripheral to the situation just is glowing about the guy. I, there hasn't even been any like rumblings of like, what did you hear about the way he treated this guy outside of like normal college football stuff? Like you might recruit a kid make some promises and then you are, you end up being able to recruit a kid that's better than him. And you kind of go like, Hey, you might not have a spot on this football team. Like nobody loves that, but everybody does that. That's not out of the norm. Um, outside of stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> again, I've been searching for it. I don't know. You do you tell me if you've seen it. <laughs> I, I don't think Hypel is a very polarizing figure. Um, I knew him as the OC at Missouri before he went down to UCF and yeah. he was working with a lot, not as much talent as you can recruit at Tennessee. So the, the season was kind of volatile, the, the three seasons that he was there. However, with him, and this might be because I'm away from the program now, he doesn't seem like he has a polarizing personality. Whereas with Butch and with Pruitt, you were conditioned to feel one way or another about him bush could be a little bit sheepish and very insecure looking whereas pruitt may have also been dealing with some insecurities but projected this macho personality that did not translate entirely to the field and it was almost anti-media in a way at least that 2018 season that i covered them it was very very uh, um enemy of the people sort of stuff whereas hypel is just a guy like another guy in the building I've, I've never met him so I can't say that for sure um, but he just it seems like when the coach takes a back seat to the actual stars in the program and doesn't make headlines and doesn't do or say anything that is out of the ordinary it makes everyone else's job so much easier yeah he he doesn't make a spectacle out of himself he doesn't he doesn't try to make anything about himself really he turns any question about even like himself towards like, this is a team effort. This is not about me. Even if the thing that I am the CEO of is doing, you know, really great things. Yeah. I mean, he just is, it's incredibly endearing. He just seems like a dad. Like he just comes off like his son, you would go to a a cookout and it's just some guy's dad who lays back and he knows football pretty well. And you go like, Oh, that's cool. You're a football coach. And you would just be like, that's, that's that guy. Like he just seems cool. And I, I, I certainly do not know him well, but again, just everything that I've heard from the people that have gone to interact with them, former players and guys like that. Uh, like we had um, a, a former player on our show a, a little while ago who spent time with Hypo and was just like, he just is so even keeled and the players genuinely like him, but not in a, not in like a, he's a friend. He's like my bro. They like him in like a, we respect this guy. We believe in what he's doing and we're going to be behind that. 
more than, and I think you saw it after that Pittsburgh game. I think that that was the first time you really saw outside of the Kentucky game last year, you saw these guys appreciating after that game, like Heupel's going around, jumping up, tapping everybody on the helmet. They're all hugging him back and all that stuff. And I think it's just guys going like, we have something to believe in. Like, especially the guys that were with Pruitt before. How good does that have to feel to go from a guy that had no vision, no nothing, just had no idea what he was doing to a guy where you go like, this is like a beautiful beacon of light that's shining on our team right now. That has to be incredible. And, and I think it's translating to him getting recruits now, because I'm sure his players are going to those recruits and being like, dude, this is a real deal. This guy's good. And that's, it's crazy to say that about Tennessee football coach. Cause it's just been so long since we've been able to really have feelings like that. Um, but it's great. It, it really, really is. I, I just hope that we don't say all of this and then it bites us in the butt, you know, two years from now. Time loves a hero. One of these <laughs> days we'll look back on what we said and we'll be, how did we, I had a conversation with someone last week talking about Trey Lance, you know, how this was going to be mm-hmm. the big breakout season for the 49ers and oh. rolls his ankle. Incredible. Um, that was the heart of what I wanted to talk about this week. How does Tennessee win this game? It, it to me comes down to running the football more than anything in terms of offense. Cause Josh Eipel is known for that pass game. I mean, that's that's the thing that gets the highlights on SportsCenter that's really sensational. But you will win this game on the ground. Florida gave up 300 yards rushing against South Florida. They gave up like 150 or uh, 250 um, in in another game. And it was, was it the Kentucky game? One of, one of the other – Utah, maybe. They gave up a ton of rushing yards. Either way. They're vulnerable on the ground. Their best linebacker is likely going to be out. You run the ball with the running backs that you have, specifically with Hinden Hooker, too. And Hinden Hooker has to have a superb game. I Well, honestly, I actually think if Hinden Hooker has a superb game, this is a blowout. If Hinden Hooker has a mediocre game, Tennessee probably still wins, but it's going to be close, real close. And if he has a really bad game, which is what happened last year, he had a just every everybody it wasn't even just him his wide receivers were dropping balls it was pretty rough all over the place and it was their worst offensive performance of the year last year of course against florida who else would it be against um and and they lost that game uh and so a 75 percent clean game play to your strengths run the ball because if you run the ball effectively you're gonna be able to throw the ball effectively and play again, kind of how I said earlier, serviceable defense. Hold them, hold them to 28 points. You'll win this game. I, I think personally, you hold them to 28 points, 75% clean game on offense. You'll probably score at least 35. And that's how you win the, this football game. They Anthony Richardson can't throw the ball to save his life. Apparently hobbled by like a knee, ankle, something. It's not totally clear. May and and even if he's a hundred percent, I think Tennessee's defense is better equipped this season to stop a running quarterback. They're, they're still going to get gouged. Florida's going to get theirs offensively. I have no doubt. And unless Napier is just brain dead on the sidelines, I mean, they're, they're going to get theirs because uh, Tennessee's secondary is probably the weakest position on the team, but um, it, it just comes down to just score more points. That sounds stupid. It's very, 
sounds reductive, but that really is it with the way that Josh Heupel plays this game is just score, just score, just score, and score throughout the game. Come out strong. Go up 14-0. Do something like that. Knock them in the teeth. And and then it's not as imperative to score in the following quarters because they've had trouble with that. They, they can come out strong. Well, this season they've been coming out weak, but last season it was come out strong and hang on to that lead. Now come out strong and continue to score into the third and the fourth quarter and and just lay it on. Like, I... I uh, I just think it when you talk about Hypel's teams, that's just you just got to score more, and that's probably what he would tell you too. I think is it just comes down to uh, yeah, the other team's going to score, you got to score more than they do. Mm-hmm. Florida is pretty limited on the ground themselves and haven't put together a sterling performance on offense. And I felt the same way. Whoever gets to thirty first in this game probably wins. Tennessee has been re- really good on third down, converting forty one percent. They've converted all 16 times in the red zone. It feels like if you're playing this game at home and you're not subjected to the swamp and, as you mentioned, drops, it seems like they could pull this off pretty well. What's going to hold them back? Yeah, I mean, I I think there is a a fair chance that this is – the total coming out game for Hypel, where people go like, whoa, they beat Florida by 17. Like, look at that. How that does not happen is just messy football. Like they did against Pittsburgh. They played terrible against Pittsburgh. They got down early. They turned the ball over multiple times. I mean, a fumble in a crucial situation, a muff punt in an extremely crucial situation. They gave up a touchdown when they couldn't give up a touchdown, and they still pulled that game out. You cannot do that against Florida. Muffed punts, interceptions, fumbles, it ain't going to work. That's just not how this game is going to go because when you're working against the supernatural forces that take over the Florida game every year, whatever it is, where the football gods look down and they go, no, you are not going to beat Florida. You, you have to be able to overcome that and get in the headspace of just being like, we're not going to lose. We're just, we refuse. And so we got to clean it up. We're going to step it up, be, you know, be the team we know that we can be and, and overcome that. Cause yeah, they're, they're right now through the, the big game that they've already played. They were really mistake prone playing in Neyland should help. It better help. I would put it that way. I mean, good Lord, it's going to be so crazy in there. Um, tickets are going for like 300 minimum right now. It's insane. Uh, and you know, you got, you got the help from Nealon. I think that's going to really affect Florida. Anthony Richardson. I mean, the kid hasn't even played, hasn't thrown a, a touchdown this season and hasn't played a road game. Like good, good luck. Yeah, man. That's uh, that's a tough position to be in. So, uh, it, you know, everything is working in Tennessee's favor. I'll put it that way. This on paper is a 15 point win for Tennessee. I think even the line in Vegas is being kind to what's on paper. Like, I genuinely do. Tennessee should smoke Florida. They're not going to do that, in my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> That's not what's going to happen in this game. Yeah, but 10, and a half, 10 and a half to 11 points. I thought that was crazy, especially when you mentioned uh, the depth at receiver. Cedric Tillman has a high ankle injury. He's yep. questionable. Jabari Small, the running back, has a shoulder injury, should play. How prepared is the depth to take on Florida? Thankfully, 
the biggest injury was at the position where you're probably the deepest. I mean, the wide receiver position is pretty stacked. Thankfully, you've got the wide, the transfer wide receiver, Brew McCoy from uh, Southern California. During this offseason, he has really showed some nice flashes. Jalen Hyatt, again, I, I think he'll finish his career as one of the best wide receivers in America. He's already showing that. He is Tennessee's leading wide receiver at the moment. So technically, your leading wide receiver is not out. <laughs> Jalen Hyatt will play. Um, I think Cedric Tillman, my guess is he will like dress and be on the sideline and be very limited if he plays at all. That's just how it feels from all of the sort of talking that's been going on around that situation. Um, and so you have the depth there. You have some really good freshman pieces. This kid squirrel white is super fast. You have her Mel Keaton who's back there too. I think that's who they'll probably bring up and try to work into the rotation with Tillman out. Um, and he caught a touch, a beautiful touchdown pass last week where he just absolutely burned up the, the, defensive back and so the pieces are there still i even with tillman if tillman doesn't play a single snap the pieces are still there in my personal opinion and almost more than anything because of that florida linebacker potentially being out i would say for tennessee's sake hopefully being out um because the the run game just has to go so well for if tillman is going to be out the run game needs to go exceptionally well to free up those wide receivers to make sure that they can be as effective as possible. So I, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little uh, concerning to have probably your best offensive player likely out for this game, but I aren't as crazy as it is. I honestly don't think that it's going to be the end of them. Like that's not going to take them out of this game. That's comforting to say that they have the supporting cast to make up for little holes week to week with injuries. I also feel like this could be a big revenge game, maybe a coming out party for Gerald Mincy on the offensive line Ooh. going up against his former team. Yes. Uh, I've read something about that today. Uh, I think the ball quest, somebody wrote that, but um, <clears throat> yeah, he, he definitely should be on a war path and it's great because he's a left tackle. I mean, he's the guy protecting Hinden's backside. So that's perfect. Uh, I hope that he is inspired as ever. And he has, there was talk before the season that, oh, they might switch reps. Mincy's your guy left tackle. I mean, he's played the majority of the snaps, and uh, I think he certainly will in this game. They really, really tightened down that offensive rotation in that Pittsburgh game because um, they, they just wanted the best players in there. And, I mean, at, through the bulk of that game, they, they were using the same 11 guys, and that was, like, it. I don't know if that means Heupel doesn't trust them or just it was he needed – those guys to do what he wanted to do i don't know but i i think any of those guys should be in it for the revenge outside of the freshmen who weren't there last year <laughs> you you got to be thinking like that was probably even considering like the georgia game and stuff it was tennessee's worst game last year was against florida and you just you got to be ready to to not have that hanging over your head again to just avenge that and and then to bring I think they they get what this will bring the fan base. Like they they can go out and say, "Oh, it's just another week or whatever." <laughs> they know that's not the case. They know that's not the case. You can't not know that. Uh, and and so I'm on. I'm honestly more excited than I am nervous because it really does feel like at at 7:30 p.m. on Saturday night we're probably going to be celebrating a Tennessee football victory over Florida, which is. 
Whew, a lot, a lot to take in. Uh, and it's going to be real disappointing if that doesn't end up being the case, but, but uh, it won't be anything new. I would put it that way. It's been a minute and I'll be right there celebrating with you. One more minute. I've got one quick question about Hendon Hooker. Great quarterback. It's hard to judge how much of it is him being 24 going up against mostly 21 year olds, but has had a spectacular time at Tennessee. Where would you put him today in the Heisman conversation? So, I mean, the, the analysis that I've seen is like number six, number seven, kind of right in there uh, with like Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, every, you know, whoever is up there at the top. And, and you can have the discussion with those two guys. That it's really the supporting cast that makes them as great as they are. Uh, I, I think he needs to clean it up to really get into that mode. And I, and it's, to be completely honest, it's going to take him beating Alabama this season. You know, something like that. You're going to have to have a completely spectacular thing. Beating Alabama, and it takes Tennessee to 6-0. and Like, you've already beaten LSU. You've already beaten Florida. And then a win over Alabama, and he has a spectacular moment. Like, that's where he'll be truly launched in that discussion. Because right now, I mean, yeah, top, top 15, top 10 quarterback in America, for sure. He's an incredible field general. But to, to really do that, you got to bust through that wall somehow with a spectacular moment. Promise me one thing. If Tennessee goes into Alabama undefeated, you come back on the show. I dude, without a doubt. And I <laughs> probably like have my head shaved. I'll be like disheveled still. I'm, I'm, I would be off the wagon for a freaking month. If they beat Alabama, I don't even know what I would do. That would be insane. Uh, but I will absolutely do it. Don't worry. You've got a beautiful head of hair. Charlie Burris, thank you so much for joining the show. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This was a blast. Yep.